Welcome along, folks, to the next episode of Chewing the Cud. And today, again, I'm joined by Richie and Collie. We will be discussing uh, the match against Villa, previewing the Sheffield United, and later on we have part two of Everton and me, where we spoke to Helga, who is the chairman of the Norwegian Everton Supporters Club. So we'll have that later on. Oh, anyway, good afternoon, folks. All right, Rich, Carl, how's it going? Afternoon, boys. How are things? Hey, lads. How's things? All good, all good. A uh, little bit more positive this week, Richie. You think we we kind of well, it wasn't hard to up our game after the last two or three performances, but uh, I thought it was a bright start. First half it, against Villa. Yeah, as I said, a little bit more positive um, in the fact that. They started well, not saying that Villa are any great shakes, but they did show that initial kind of reaction to, to the horrendous showing against Wolves. So th- that reaction was there. Um, they played some good football in, in patches, especially kind of first 15, 20 minutes. Um, and I think it was kind of once that fizzled out, then they kind of reverted back to type again that it was the, the desire seemed to go, but not just the desire that we just don't have the quality. For me, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not there, Carly, is it? Still, like you said last week, they're on holidays, but the flip flops are well and truly on. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Richie Joe, to be honest with you. I don't think we're going to get a vastly improved uh, performance over the next two games. Hmm. So, we've done well for the first 25 30 minutes, to be honest with you. Just as Richie said, I don't think the quality is there, the, the, the uh, effort was there, let's say. Hmm. Then we seem to Villick seemed to come into the game I mean, we didn't have any answers or any ideas and Villa kind of maybe dominated the, the, the second part of the first half if you get me and the first part of the second half mm. um, and then I, I actually thought for the last 15-20 minutes um, when Villa had scored that we kind of came out and we actually played a bit of uh, decent football you know mm. um, but look Anyone listening to this podcast, it's anyone can can clearly see where our problems lie, Joe. You know the kind of way. Yeah. So, but no, there's a few green shoots of positivity there for me. Uh, obviously, the the record at home still exists, um, and I'm sure we'll go on and speak about one or two of the players that we've seen last night. But overall, we we take a point. Again, we've two two matches left. Just get them two matches out of the way and hope to God down come. The twelfth of September, we're we're back and we're playing a bit more decent football, you know. Yeah, I think I think everyone is of the same opinion that we just can't wait for the season to be over. It's just it's just dragging on and dragging. It's like like going yeah. to dentist with no anaesthetic. It's just it's horrible. And, and the players included by by what we're looking at, you know, mm. they're they're just counting down the days to kind of get to the end of it. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, there is, a, I suppose, a couple of positives, but in general, it's, you know, it's poor. I, I kind of look at it, and to win games, you have to create chances, and we created nothing. Like, you know, your first shot, attempt on target was in the 80, 86 minute when, when, when we scored. Like, playing probably one of the worst teams in the league with a horrendous record away from home, mm. and, and, and we struggled to, to get anything in front of goal. Like, it's just not good enough, you know. Let's call a spade a spade. Mm. You know, and I know we're trying to pick out some good things. But overall, I think it's, 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 it's poor. You know, from where we're talking about places that we want to be and everything, it's, we're, we're a long, long way away from it. Uh, it's just the, the rapid decline that, that gets me. I mean, it's just, everyone seems to be on holidays. Every single one. There's, there's one or two, 
like we could, like I said, Cali, we could into in in a few minutes, but just the overall the overall display and performances from from the whole squad, not just the starting eleven, has been really really flat and la- not lazy, but you know, lackadaisical and just no effort, and that's the killer. I mean, this it's repeat, repeat, but. Is it a, a dip in form, kind of as you as you said, or the the rapid falling off the cliff, or did we punch above our weight, kind of for a couple of weeks when kind of Duncan took over and when Carlo initially came in, and that uh, you know there was maybe a bit of a new manager bounce or whatever you call it, and that we've kind of reverted back to where we were when Silva was in charge. I don't know. Carl. Yeah, there could be a bit of that. Uh, another thing I was thinking of maybe is. Um, Maybe some of these players realise that they just won't be there next year, mm. and they couldn't be arsed. Um, yeah, that was my taking it a couple of weeks back. That they kind of couldn't be arsed, you know, one foot out the door already. Yeah, like again, I said this to you before in another podcast. You or I or any Everton supporter listening to this, every game we expect to win because that's what we want. We're Everton supporters, but yeah. these are players who possibly could be told already. Look. You're only going to be a bit part player here next year if you want to get your your agent to, to move you on or look for another club. By all means, work away. So, are you gonna you put yourself into a player that has been told that? Let's say, are you gonna give your all for a club that's getting rid of you or, or wants you gone? Well, I don't know. It's just a it's just a theory. Looking at the performances, the whole lot of must be told because they're all crap. <laughs> Now, listen, it's not all doom and gloom. I have to say, we'll talk about it now. I think one of the one of the positive, big positives was uh, the performance of Brantway. I thought he came on very, very assured, very calm on the ball. And one thing that stood out, he, he wasn't afraid to talk or to shout or, you know, say his piece, Richie. He just slotted in there really, really well. Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought he was excellent. He stood out to me. He came on, he got clattered straight away. Mm. You know, he took it, he got up, and he just, you know, really, really comfortable on the ball, great positioning, um, and he is a bright future ahead of him. I think we were well on top of ourselves to, to offer him a, a new contract within six months of him being at the club, and it just shows what, 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 how highly he's thought of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think he, he's a great find. He looked fantastic. He looked like he'd been playing kind of at that level for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, left-footed as well. So, you know, looking forward to have himself and Holgate kind of as a partnership possibly, you know, that have cost us pretty much nothing. It's, it, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's something bright out of it to, to see. Mm. I know you flagged them up a few weeks ago, Colly. You watched the under twenty threes a lot, but uh, just calm as you like. And it me, I don't want to put the lad under too much pressure, but it reminds me of when John Stones came into the team first, very very comfortable with the ball and and doesn't mind playing a bit of football to be honest, which he's going to get from the way we're playing out in the back now with Pickford playing two short passes, but uh, just calm, collected, didn't panic. Yeah, there was an actual pass he gave to Dania yesterday. Almost like a, a curl around one or two players into feet. Um, mm. He played seven games for Carlisle. And uh, as Richie rightly said, they've already uh, uh, they've already increased his contract with the club. I don't think he will be four second or even tour choice centre-half next year. Uh, no, but he's only... Well, he's only, he's only... I think he's 18 or 19, Rich, you know. Uh, I don't know whether any of us heard his interview we gave after the game. For a young lad, he's very, very composed. Um, I didn't actually didn't realise just what a big unit he was. He's, he's six four. 
He's a tank, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he is a big... And, and, but Camille along the ground, Joe, he, yeah. he's, he's not slow by any stretch of the imagination, you know? Yeah. Uh, definitely a Brands find there and a tick in Mr. Brands' uh, uh, good box, let's say. Yeah, that, actually, getting few and far between, but we'll, we'll talk about that again. Uh, again, I thought Anthony Gordon done well when he came out, but like, we're going through all the positives here before we get down to the dirt. But uh, Anthony Gordon, I, I, I don't see why he keeps getting dropped or hooked, Rich, because like, he, he seems to be positive enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, we know Gordon is going to be plans kind of for the future, so maybe mm. it's a case of, right, here's your kind of. Here's your chance, Bernard, to go out and say that you want to be part of it. Obviously, didn't take it in my eyes, but yeah, mm. I, I mean, I, you you just kind of look at he's just a he's new into the fold as well, and you know it's a lot of games on him, you know, at that level and stuff. So, and it's better to watch him, I think, and not to just burn him out at this stage. Really, at stake, you know, mm. get him enough, get him, get him, make sure he's getting plenty of breaks and stuff as well. And I think it's probably more important, and it's. Given the boys plenty of rope to hang themselves with. <laughs> and get yeah, well, listen, I don't need a hand with that. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, any other passes for you, Carl? I thought, well, Walcott flickered and took his goal well, but um, I didn't really see much else. You know, midfield Actually, again, very slow and pedestrian. Yeah, uh, I know we, we, we've had a, and I will be critical of a lot of his display from last night, Joe, but. Gomez in the last uh, tough 10, 15 minutes doing all right for us. Mm. Uh, he, he seemed to be pushed more up the pitch when Sigerson came on. And he was able to get himself in and around uh, just at the, the, in front of there. Now, and he obviously put in the, the ball for Walcott's goal. But, um, I just think that could, Gomez will work wonders next year with, with someone with legs around him. I really do. Um, but apart from that, Joe, you know, Tom Michael Keane done very well. Wobie had little sports. Bernard, I would personally fly over to Liverpool and help him on his way. <laughs> um, a lot of criticism of Dominic. I don't know what your, you guys' feelings are on his display since he's come back. Uh, people are saying that he, we should, we need to be looking at another forward, centre forward. But has he really been getting the service? Is the is the criticism justified? Personally, I don't think so. But Love to know what your your guys' opinions on that is. I don't think he's got the service. We, we spoke this a few times. There's nothing coming from midfield. Um, I will say though that a couple of chances, especially the other night, he's a couple of not easy chances, but for the form he's been in before lockdown, he should have put away. Um, it's hard to be critical of someone if you're not getting the ball all the time, which yeah, I. I... I agree with the kind of half chances that he had as well and you'd expect him to get one. I caught a kind of a criticism of him that he was probably coming too deep for looking for it and he was going out wide. He seems to be getting desperate to get on the ball and to try to create something and then there was no one in the centre. You know, it's his job to kind of be in the centre and to be there, especially when we have two up top, you know, there's no one. Charleston was kind of dropping off already and then Calvert Loon was finding himself out, out wide, kind of just going chasing the ball. He was in a Wobie's position at one stage, and the two of them were out there. And then there's, they got across it, and there's no one in there. Mm. So I mean, it's patience, and obviously it's frustrating when you're not getting anything, and you're just going to go looking for it. But he just needs a goal, I think. You know, I think it's kind of it's it's playing on I'm playing on him a little bit. But again, yeah, I, I think with the with the service you're getting, you know, I've got a few decent balls. The Wobie whipped one in, and Walcott whipped one in late on. That just needed a flick, and then he had a chance that he just clipped wide. You know, so you just hope that it'll come and he'll turn that corner again. Yeah. 
I think yeah, spot on there, Rich. That Collie, he's coming looking for for balls where he shouldn't be. He, like he should be the target man. Mm. Because nothing's coming from midfield, him and Richard had to go look for the ball. And then when someone does come from midfield, they're not in there because mm. they're elsewhere. So I, I actually think if we if we bought a striker, uh, not put put them under pressure, but it might help them lads to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, Yet again, be competition, Joe. Yeah, again, Cavern Lewis only a kid as well, lads. So mm. people people kind of forget that. Yeah, and then yeah. you do have dry runs as well, you know. So you know, if you you need to have, you can't be dependent on someone all the time. So if I mean, for the the run that he's in on now without a goal, um, you be yeah, you, you need to have someone else that you can say right, that I'm going to go in and take it. Like unlike as Post Moise Keane hasn't got any goal, mm. so, you know, but that, that's going to go in and is going to stake a claim, and that's kind of what you want is is the competition and fellas put pressure on so that mm. when you when you get your chances that you have to take it. Yeah. One of the disappointing things for me the other night uh, was the uh, from midfield and the strikes, the, the lack of shots on target, Collie, which is it, it's kind of a recurring team now. Just, there's just no chances coming from anywhere. Yeah, it is worrying, Joe, I have to say. And that's just not over with last night's game. That was obviously in previous games as well. Um, you're almost back to Allardyce's reign here, you know, with, mm. with shots on target and stuff like that. I can only. Hope that it's obviously due to the frailties in our in our midfield, you know. And that look, if if I can see it and you can see it, and 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 also supporters can see it, I'm sure uh, Mr. Angelotti can see it as well, you know. But it would be worrying, all right, Joe. I have to say, it really would. Mm-hmm. Um, to, like what the four shot target in what the eighty odd minute was it last yeah. night? It's pretty poor from that point of view, you know. Yeah, especially at home, Rich. We should, be, and especially against a team. I said during the match, like Norwich beat us at Goodison. Like Villa were two minutes away from beating us at Goodison. So it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and it, it's down to creativity. You know, it's getting the ball into the in, into the right places, and we're not. You know, and I think once we once that, I suppose, reaction that we had kind of died out. We didn't even look like you know that started the second half. Until they scored as such, we didn't really look like kind of threatening as such. I know they weren't threatening our goal either, and it was a real just kind of play it out, and it was kind of forced to blink will win, you know. And they got a they got a lucky goal, but yeah, they, for me it's it's the creation, you know. I think if you're creating stuff, you'll something will drop, and we don't even seem to be doing that at present. Yeah, there's no there's no answers forthcoming from within the squad. Anyway, Colly, I know we, we kind of move on to the we've been linked to the player now, but. Um, I don't know, on the Villa match. I don't think we're expecting too much going into a Cully, were we? Uh, on current form. We, I actually thought Villa might have, might have beaten us because they wanted it more, which is a shocking thing to say, to be honest. But they're fighting for their lives. Yeah, well, me being as optimistic as I always am, Joe, I, I kind of went for us. I, I did say what, whatever team showed up and, and, and the first 20, 25 minutes, I said, yeah, we should get something out of this game. You know, we should, should beat these. But obviously, Villa came back in. They had something to play for, Joe. They needed mm. them three points there. I think they're away to Arsenal on Sunday and then they're uh, home then to West Ham in the final uh, game of the season. So, need, they need to pick up six points from there. But even if they do pick up six points from there, they still wouldn't be guaranteed of sa- their safety in the Premiership. So, mm. last night was seen as, as a must-win game for them. Um, 
Well, um, it was it was a look. We're just so poor, Joe. You know the kind of way. Yeah, yeah I think the bottom line is Villa are third, third from bottom for a reason. Yeah, that they're yeah. a poor side. You know, they have a poor record that scoring goals. They have a poor record at the back, and we couldn't take advantage of it. We needed to. I, I thought as well that if we'd have got our noses in front, we'd have killed them off pretty easy. But we just we didn't have the have the belief in ourselves to go on or, or the want almost to go on and do it you know yeah that's the killer there's no like after Shams's interview the other night oh, I said right they said come out with a bit of fire in your belly lads ha- have a go throw yourself around alright they, they, they kind of it was nice shall we say but I, th- I think they're only on tops until Villa decided to get into the game and when Villa did decide to come out and have a go they, they just took over no answers, Joe. No. no answers. No. So, can't just... Now, Angelotti did mention that in this post-game uh, interview that uh, the lack of quality was evident, particularly in their final tour of the pitch, you know? Yeah, so to be Sherlock Holmes. It's, uh, that no, kind of, no, definitely evidence. not. Yeah, it's just definitely evidence. Not. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, disappointing, but listen, it's, it's been that way. It's just like... Like you said earlier, just can't wait for this season to be finished. Just can't yeah, wait it to be over. Just going through the motions, like just get it done yeah. at this stage and kind of, we're all kind of looking forward to it being over. You know, which is a pity because after after picking up seven points in the first three back, we were, you know, the, the total opposite. We were kind of saying, right, we'll make a go of this for the, for the next four or five games. And yeah, we've fallen off a cliff. Mm. Yeah, but that's like, you know, you, you, you said a couple of pods in that we with a sniff of Europe, Collie, but no, it just disappeared within space of two games, even. Just a lack of fight and spirit. And, uh, just yeah, it's just the mentality, seems, Joe, for me. You know, it just doesn't seem to be any kind of passion there. It was all just going through the mill kind of football, you know, the kind mm. of way. And I'm sure if we get beaten, we get beaten type of situation. Mm. It'll be interested to see how long he gives them off at the end of the season. Obviously, uh, we. The season itself finished the Sunday week, and they're back then. The first game of next season is uh, September the twelfth. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how how long Angelotti gives them uh, time off. Was to be a few of them getting a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I can't I can't see him giving them long. I'd say a week or two, and then I'd say they'd be back because, uh, like, look, Angelotti is is I'm sure has a lot of pride in his work and. He certainly is, he would be coming out with much pride at the moment from that squad, you know, the kind of way. So, yeah. Someone mentioned earlier, Rich, uh, like when Duncan was in charge in three games, just over the, before the Christmas period, that like it was a different team. Like he, he, he put that, that shift, every, every player worked their arse off. But it stopped now. Yet Duncan is, I don't know whether he's second in command or third in command, whether Angelotti's son is, is the main man, but. I don't know, would, it, would he have a look in? Would he have a say? I'm sure he'd have some say, you know, and he's dealing with the players day in, day out. He's an assistant manager at the end of the day. But whether he he speaks in the dressing room or what happens, you know, I really don't know. To be honest, what kind of goes on behind the scenes in in that sense, you know? Yeah. Surely if the chap is still in around the team, Collie, that, 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 like, he's not going to let them away with crap like that. So surely he's saying something to them. Yeah, you you would hope so. I certainly think so, Joe. You know the Conway. But in regards to what level of input does he have now? 
Like you, you often see these training videos that they release, and like himself and David and, and Carlo are all huddled around having a chat, and now obviously going through certain drills and what have you. So on on the on the surface of things, he certainly looks as if he is in there, you know, that kind of way. Mm. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's just a commitment of the players. I again, just coming back to the point I made earlier on about. Has the likes of Sigerson being told, look, guilty, you're only going to be a squad player here next year if you want to try and get yourself a move away. You know, the kind of way. it only takes three or four players to have that frame of mind and it would affect a whole lot, you know, the kind of way. Well, if they're, on that, if they're trying to get a move away, Jesus, you, no one's going to avoid yeah, them. Yeah, you would think he'd be playing for a move away, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so. Then there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I, I think because there's no window as such, a lot of these deals might be already done in principle. That you're just seeing out and you're avoid, not avoiding injury is probably the worst time that you can probably pick one up if you're trying to stay out of the way. But, you know, you, you, you things like that on. I was talking to a Villa fan kind of after the game last night and he said he made out that Grealish was all done with United, you know, that it's just he's not going to leave at this stage. You know, he's not going to, it's not going to be announced until the season mm-hmm. is finished and, and, they're, and they're gone down. So there's a lot that we don't know on the face of things, also, I presume. Yeah. But it's just, it's horrible to watch. It's just, Rock to watch. Okay, we'll leave the Villa match there. Uh, we'll take a short break. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, Sheffield United on Monday night and a couple of bits of news. I know we're interested in it. Claire came out yesterday. We'll talk about that. Uh, another piece of music coming up now, so have a listen, folks, and see if you can recognise it. Talk to you in a second. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. And that piece of music was the team tuned to Sports Night, which was a great midweek sports program presented by the late, great Harry Carpenter. Okay, now we look forward to um, Monday night, Sheffield United. Uh, I think it's going to be the same again, Rich, isn't it? Same old rubbish, just going through the motions. And... Yeah, I don't know about the whole looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I think listen, especially away. I think it's going to be. Yeah, it's going. It's going to be tough. Sheffield United, good side. You know, well organized, well driven. Um, obviously with an awful lot to play for. So given given how we've been the last couple of weeks, yeah, it's it, it's it's hard to see a whole lot. We see we're short a couple of bodies as well. But yeah, again, you're just looking for a performance. You're just looking for you know something to to to, to grab on to, to to have a bit of. Hope kind of going into next season and stuff, so we just kind of wait and see whether we'll get it or not. Yeah, I can't say it's getting anything out of this game, to be honest, Carl. Like Rich said, they're, they're flying, they're, they're knocking on that Europa League door. They need a win, to be honest, to, to keep themselves in, in, in that mix. Uh, any early team news? Yeah, I'm led to believe, or certainly reports coming out today, that Holgate is gone for the season, but obviously that's only two games, as is Mina and uh, Delph. Okay. So you probably see the back the the back four that end the game against Villa starting again on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Would would Sidibe come in maybe for Seamus? I don't know. Seamus has played like a lot of games. Yeah, that that could be your only uh, possible uh, uh, 
change there, Joe, unless he puts a DB up on the right side of midfield. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. we, we spoke before in relation to, do you think he's going to go just play for the draw? I guarantee he'll just try and yeah, get away with a draw for Monday and then try and hit them on the break. I can't mm. see him. I can't see him doing very much changes, uh, to be honest with you, Joe. Yeah, probably just pack the midfield again. It's just yeah, that'd be all in there. That that'd be my take on it. If get get an extra body in the midfield and just try to make it hard for them, mm-hmm. um, try try to cover that space. So yeah, if it's a case of going three five or, or probably five five at the back and three in the middle, or whatever. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'd be doing. Is just looking at try try to pack that space in the in, in the middle. Mm, I think we'll do well together, Dryo. Just to be honest, colleagues. I just can't. Just just again. To, so many teams now are up to full fitness and full flow, and we're just going backwards. Yeah, we are, and, and you know, like I've seen something the other night, and how how can uh, how can everyone be beaten by the likes of a Wolves or? But we've 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 dropped so far, Joe, not just this season. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you know again, we're lying in whatever eleventh or twelfth position, but we're there for a reason. We're, Mm-hmm. The table doesn't lie, unfortunately, you know. And wolves are are fighting. Wolves are, have been terrific this season, you know. The Queen the table doesn't lie, and wolves are a better side than us. And it hurts me so much to say, you know. The Queen mm-hmm. like I heard someone saying, well, they were only in the championship, whatever, two or three years ago, whatever the case may be. But yes, and they've invested well, and they brought in the right players, and they had a system that they played three five two, and he stuck to that, and he only uses. 18, 19 players in the squad and look where they are now so it's just it, it's very it's 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 very sad to see my club drop as much as they have done not just under Angelotti or Silva or Martinez but going back a good few years now John, yeah, this, this is it really it's an ongoing thing Richie it's it's we're here we've been at this point before which is, us, it's, we need a huge transfer window it's happened year after year after year. And like we said in the last podcast, like when we had no money, we were just a, a much better team. Everyone, everyone worked their arse off. These lads are coming in now. Once they get the big ways, you just seem to not, not, maybe not care is a bit strong, but there's no, there's no fire. Nothing. No, um, and yeah, as you said, it, another big window ahead. This is probably the fourth in a row or fifth in a row where we're trying to say, right, we need to tear up the script and start again. I mean, the idea was that, you know, we build and then you're getting topping up with one, two decent players every, whether it's every summer or every window, and we couldn't be further away from it. Like, you know, the top mm-hmm. players at present are the ones that we're looking to get out the door, the ones that we've brought in and on big money and saying, oh yeah, these are the ones that are going to push us on to the next level. And again, like it's just the same thing again, isn't it? We've said it all already, you know, but it's, it's, it's so disheartening to be kind of at this stage and almost dreading the thoughts of going into the window because you don't know what will happen. Obviously, it's kind of funny times around for everything and people are saying that, you know, the finances won't be there. So you're just hoping that, Someone will put the hand in the pocket and, and the manager will be back to bring in what we need, which is a big overhaul. Mm, that's the thing. It's the amount of work that's needed. The amount of changes that we need to do. Listen, Carly, you're, you're bang on. Wolves, there's, there's four or five teams that have gone past us, progression-wise. So, like, are we still going to be sniffing around 10th, 11th, 12th? 
<laughs> it's it's just I don't know. Everton used to be called the Bank of England. It's just it's no point having the big money that we have now. It, it a lot of this has come. I say it online. A lot of this has come back to recruit and brands is getting clouded here and there, but he's getting hammered left, right, and centre as well. Probably some of the rust that's being brought in. I think there's a change of mentality needed across the board, Joe, to be honest with you. That's from a club point of view, but to a certain degree from a supporter's point of view, we need to stick with a manager for a period of time. I think that, that's one of, the, one of the main points, Colin, yeah. Yeah. We need, you know, again, I'm just picking on Wolves because I mentioned them already. Um, he's been in place in Wolves now for at least, I think it's four or five years, possibly could be longer. I wouldn't follow Wolves, obviously, mm. that much. But they kept with him, okay? Um, you look at our neighbours across the park, they kept with him. He didn't have the first great season when he came in. You need to you need to keep with a manager. You know, a lot of our problems, I think, at the moment exist because uh, we were setting up for a 4 one three, 2 or a four three three. Angelotti's come in and is playing a four four two. I actually don't think the players that are in place at Everton Football Club at the moment can play in a 4-4-2. And this is why we're seeing such a bad run of games at the moment. Now, I know we go on to speak about uh, news and stuff like that, but the players that have been linked with the club are all in the 4-4-2 mode. You know, they're, they're, they're uh, runners. Uh, they can stick a tackle in. Uh, one guy in particular is actually a bit of a box-to-box player. So they suit the four four two, and this talk of uh, it's Angelotti's fault and all that. Forgot we need, we need, we need, and I keep saying this to give whatever manager is in place at Everton time. We really do because this chopping and changing, we're only going to go down the same road yet again. I'm not saying that we're even thinking of getting rid of Angelotti. That's not the, the case mm-hmm. here. But mm-hmm. we just we need a change in mentality across the board. From a club point of view, they need to start winning away at the big six, at the top six, should I say. And from a fan's point of view, we can't. We have to try and, and give managers and certain players a bit of leeway, um, particularly on social media. Yeah, Collie, I totally agree with you there, um, Daddy, about needing time. You know, there's, there's no two ways about it. A manager needs time. But on the other side of that, I... I I don't think any of the managers that we've gotten rid of in the last couple of years have been worthy of more time. I thought that they, if they weren't gotten rid of at the time, I thought that they, we'd have been in a lot seri- more serious trouble, you know, and it was the right time to get rid of them. And I know it's frustrating having to rip it up and start again, but for the, for the guys that we had in the scenarios that we were in, I thought it was the right time to get rid of them. Um, with Ancelotti, I suppose, he, he's going to be given time, but... I think as well that he's not going to want to build a side to be competing in four years. You know, he's, he's, he's going to want it now. He's going to want it now. And the only way we get that is by backing him and getting what he wants. So I think it's, the emphasis is, is the onus is on the club to say, this is the man we've got in charge. This is the man that we've trusted with it. And we have to get, and they have to get behind him. Yeah. But surely, Richie, they haven't promised, surely they've promised them uh, certain funds there. No way he would have come in to wear a club, regardless of what wages he's on, and be told, no, well, there's nothing there in the summer. You know, there kind of are very little. So you would think that there's something there, wouldn't you? 
You would, you would, you would, and you'd hope, you'd hope. So I know circumstances have changed from when it, from when he come in, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think they'd have to, and they'll have to find it, whether it's from personal investment or something. You know, it'll, it'll have to be done. Uh, I think he, again, I would actually be controversial. I, I would have stuck a little bit longer with Roberto Martinez. That was the one. Yeah, the only problem I had with him is like the first season we we, we nearly got in the Champions League. We nearly, we nearly finished fourth. Should have I thought, but listen, that's that's another that's another story. But the only problem I had with him was he had no plan B or C. It was it was just a rigid, like you said earlier, colleague. A manager has a formation, and he sticks to it, with which he thought he did. But the player, the players didn't seem to buy into it. The players didn't. So, but the players don't do the job properly, and the manager gets a sack. So, I don't know what way. Listen, if you can't do a job on the Carlo Ancelotti, you might as well hang up your boots. Really. Because I said it last time, he's the best manager, I think, at Everton Football Club since Howard Kendall. So, he has to be back financially. And it's, it's clear as light of day that the players aren't putting the shift in for him. So, he's going to go out now and get players. He knows. Maybe players he's worked with before. I don't know. Oh, sorts of almost flying around, but 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 if it's a case that those players are twenty nine, thirty, and that's who he wants in, so be it. Bring him in. You know, you know, you hear about oh, he's too young and he's past this. If that's who he wants and if that's who he thinks is going to take us, we just have to trust and believe and not, and not turn around and try to say I'd sooner he's getting in a twenty three year old that'll hit his peak in three or four years time. Mm. I I don't think we can wait any longer. You know, yeah. it's got to, you've got to trust him to say, this is the way we do it. And I think by getting to the next level, however we get there, that propels kind of your next stage after that. Yeah, you said that we before. almost, yeah, we've all, in, in my opinion, Joe, to be honest with you, I actually think we need one or two older heads yeah. in, that foot, in the starting 11. Because mm. we now do have a very, very young squad. Mm. You know, compared to three, four, five years ago when, you know, a lot of the players were, 28, 29, 30 plus. We're now down in 17, 18, all the way up to 23, 24, you know. Mm. But I do think we, we may need an older head just in there to, to, to encourage and to almost mentor players. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pitch, the word. You know? Mentor, yeah, that's the word. Like we talked, it was earlier, even during lockdown, talking like Thiago Silva, someone like that coming in. That would be, if he comes in for a year, a year and a half, and just brings on young fellas. Just like you said, just to be in around a player like that, Carl, you have to, you have to, you have to pick something up or learn how to conduct yourself. Not, not even on the pitch, off the pitch. Just the whole football greatness that players like him can bring. I know Walter Smith was kind of people said he was guilty of bringing in old old players. Listen, Richard Goff, probably one of the best signings in a long, long time. Does it? Off the pitch, the stuff he did, like or in around the dressing room, the spirit got the spirit up. So, listen, if if you want to, you buy four players and one of them is an elder statesman, shall we say? I, I just can't see anything wrong with that, Rich. Yeah. It's win win. I think I think the example you use, Thiago Silva, it's someone who not only can they bring everything you said, but they have a winning mentality as well. They know yeah. how to win, and they, and they need, and that's I think one of the things we need to change. You know. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it's the amount of players that we brought in. Cause we went through last time. I mean, big, big books, big transfers, big, big wages. 
and did not flopped. Seriously, seriously flopped. So I think if we bring in like a, like you said, 33, 34, 35 or all for a year, year and a half, I, 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 I think it can only be good once, once they're not just a crock. You know, once they can, they can play a bit of ball, that's, that's the main thing. Uh, there is a bit of transfer news come out yesterday, Colley, uh, Everton apparently put a bid in for uh, Philip Southampton. Yeah, Heiberg, um, Joe, he came on against us recently at Goodison Park. He's a, he's a mid, centre mid, a bit of a box-to-box player. He was at the Bayern Munich Academy, came through the Bayern Munich Academy, and, and Guardiola really liked him. But he had three very good centre uh, mids in front of him at, at the academy, so he kind of just drifted. Um, now, he was captain at Southampton. He's 24 years of age. He was captain at Southampton, but he stripped him of the captaincy, not because of how he was playing or how poor of a player he was. It's just a simple reason that he wasn't going to accept a new contract with him. I think he said, yeah, believe, he said he wanted yeah. to leave, so that's it, yeah. Well, I believe relations, he's come out and publicly said, there's, there's no issue with Southampton. He's given them the reasons they've accepted that, and he's now entering into his final uh, 12 months of his contract. Now, Paul Joyce, the journalist, is quoting yesterday and today that we've lodged a £14 million bid for him. Um, mm-hmm. People are saying it's too low, but if he's in his last 12 months of his contract, given the fact that we're in the COVID kind of era as well, I don't think Joyce would be too far wrong in relation to, to figures, boys. Just to give you a small stat on him, Joe, um, just this season alone, he's made 80 tackles successful, successfully this year, right? Everton's highest successful midfield tackler has been Sigerson, and he has come in with 46 successful tackles this season. Is that this season? So, the last three. <laughs> this season, would you believe, yeah? This season. Uh, just one more little uh, inkling of news, Joe, uh, just while we were on the pod. Um, Everton have been negotiating for a centre-half from Lille called Gabriel, left-sided centre-half. He actually visited Finch, Finch Farm in February and okay. allegedly a, a deal was close to be finalised back then. But Obviously, the wor- world turned itself upside down with COVID. But now we're back in negotiations with Lille, Detroit and come to some arrangement on a fee. I'm led to believe uh, personal contracts and uh, sorry contracts have been agreed, and he likes to look at the club and the training facilities, and uh, he wants to play under Ancelotti. So maybe one to just look out for at the moment. What, what uh, kind of age is he? He's 24, 25, left side at okay. the centre half. Uh, hmm. Joe, a number of clubs are after him. Now, I know um, Napoli. I think we're after him as well, but I don't think money is uh, great there, uh, obviously at the moment. So. Maybe just wanted to keep an eye on going forward. So, mm. And we've also been linked then with a goalkeeper from uh, Santos in Brazil. Uh, he was on loan at Crystal Palace. He's six foot six, I think. Six foot mm. four, six foot six. He's uh, 22 years of age. Uh, the only reason Palace didn't sign him um, permanently was they tried to negotiate the fee at the last minute and Santos pulled the deal and called him back. He hasn't played any senior senior games. He was with Richarlison in the under-23 Brazilian squad in the last World Cup. So, uh, possibly another one to look out for there, obviously, with Steck going. But will he really push Sigurds or will he really push Pickford? I wouldn't be 100% on that. Mm. Just going back to Southampton, actually, I think we should just go and buy their scout. <laughs> because <laughs> some of the diamonds, that chap, I don't know if it's a chap or chaps, I don't know who, 
But like uh, you mentioned Hoiberg, but going back, like Liverpool bought like the likes of Danny Ings, uh, Mane, I know Van Dijk can't said to but I mean some of the some of the players he's come up with, Rich. So just go down there and offer that chap whatever amount of money he wants. <laughs> Bring him up. Yeah, I mean we tried to do that with when we took Steve Walsh in from Leicester. But I don't know what happened to him when he came to Everton. I think it's just the Everton course we've mentioned him before. I know when it comes to Everton, turns into an absolute pile of geek. Yeah, Walsh had a couple of successes at Leicester and we yeah. thought we could move him on to a different level and yeah. he kind of propelled the whole thing. But yeah, it seriously didn't work out for him anyway. No, it didn't. Yeah. Again, we're coming back to this brand scene, Colin. I know you're a fan of his. Um, he's taken a bit of flack and I think I think some of it is deserved because uh, just the recruitment hasn't been great really since he's come in. He's got a couple of good ones, but I mean, overall, is he is he the the angel he's being made out to be, or the savior, shall we say? Um, I personally wouldn't. I I think he's done well. Okay, not everything he touches turns to gold. I appreciate that. You know, however. I still think that like he he's the one that that follows uh, uh Brandweight, you know, he, he got him in the door. Look, mm-hmm. everyone's gonna have have their opinion on, on brands. It's the way that Mashiri wanted the club to be run. He wanted a director of football in. Steve Welch wasn't a director of football, he was a head coach or scout, should I say, at Leicester. And mm-hmm. uh, came in and, and just I don't think was actually prepared for the role. I think if he had been a scout, it would have worked out better for the, for the chap personally. Mm. Brands has a lot of connections throughout Europe and particularly in South America. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see another couple of Brazilians and, uh, come in over the next season or two. And, and obviously his connection there with Barcelona. I wouldn't rule out then a uh, possible loan deal there for uh, Barcelona, Roy Full, that they've been interested in. But look, I, I certainly think Brands has changed the club for the better. But again, that's open to suggestion, Joe. You know, the kind of it's open for everyone's opinion. But it's not um, pitch. That's that's where it has to show. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just not working. Well, you look at Dean. Yeah, he brought in Dean to Joe, and you know, one of our best players, Mina. Yeah, he's done okay, but I think he's a huge injuries, a lot of mm. injury issues there. Delph is probably, in my eyes, has been his worst. Don't understand Delph whatsoever. Never did and never will. I won't even try to understand why we brought him. I think Delph could have been, like like we just touched on a few minutes ago, he could have been that experienced player that uh, we needed in around the midfield. But he's just injury prone, Rich. He's just yeah. a crock of... I think that's the idea is that he was there and probably never going to be, you know, week in, week out. But mm. you know, that he'd be there when we needed him. And, you know, he'd mm. never fit, you know. My thing on brands, I suppose, would be yeah, I think you're right in what he's saying and uh, picking out some diamonds to kind of build on and stuff. But it seems like a bit of a contradiction having Anc- Ancelotti as a manager who's going to want to sign for, for right now. Would would you see that? Yeah, there's or, a bit of conflict, conflict there, colleague. No, but just contradiction in, in, in the signings. Because I, that, you know, I, as I said, I, I would expect Ancelotti to sign players to win now, whereas Brands is more of a sign young, kind of bring, bring them on and, 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 and develop and, and, and sell on. Mm. You know, well, so. I think it's I think it's up to Ancelotti to dictate the direction of the club, especially while he's in charge. Obviously, but I don't think it should be the other way around where brands should dictate to the manager. 
not not someone of Ancelotti's stature. I'd be surprised, Joe, if that's the way, to be honest with you. I really yeah. would. I really would. Um, is there an issue there between the two of them? No, I wouldn't think so. Ancelotti actually worked with a lot of... Uh, um, Directors of football. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Directors <laughs> of football. Sorry, yeah. Joe. No, but I don't mean I don't mean I don't mean him personally. I mean like the like Richie said, they seem he might want to be bringing in experience where brands has been known to, to go get young players. So maybe Carlos just saying, listen, we need it now. We don't need it for two or three years down the line. We need this now. But I also wonder Joe as well with brands, does he have full reign over possible targets? And the only reason I'm saying this is Wilf Saha has been mentioned yet again, right? That old Well, Yeah. Now, for me, Will Saha is not a brand's type of player because mm. he's, what, 27, 28. You're paying huge amount of money, huge wages, but very little return, I'm sure, after five-year contract. I think he's another T.O. Walcott, to be honest. But is it, would a Will Saha be a mystery type of signing to stand up and notice, well, I'm the owner now of everything and I can afford a Will Saha player? Hmm. Would yeah, you get into so. dangerous territory there, though, Rich? Yeah, I think Honor so. dictating stuff. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, you know, we've been looking for our keys kind of thing was you get the marquee signing or get a marquee manager and kind mm-hmm. of, and show, and hopefully that that it kind of propel. But I think there needs to be some continuity across the board and it, get everybody on the same playing field. You know, that's kind of my worry between the manager and the, and the director of football. Because you would think that the, the director of football is in place kind of on a long-term plan. And that he needs to be the one kind of saying, right, this is going to be the structure of the club. This is how we're going. The director of football should nearly be hiring the manager, you know, because he's going to know who's going to fit into the style of everything that's done within the club. And that you're just replacing one body as opposed to ripping everything up and starting again. Mm. But, you know, I'm not saying anything kind of against Ancelotti in this. In this just, it's just that for me, there's a bit of a conflict in, in, in the two mindsets between the two, you know. Mm. You'd hope that like, that doesn't break down because it's bad enough for the trouble on the pitch, Collie, without like, relations behind the scenes breaking down. Hi, of course. And, and, uh, speculation and us just talking, you know, chatting away here. But yeah, uh, there's certainly been no signs of any sort of breakdown there. Uh, certainly nothing's been kind of coming out from the club, be it rumours or anything, you oh, know. Yeah, it's just, just, uh, just again, just, yeah. just talking between us. Yeah, exactly. Chewing the cord, you know. Correct, but, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I, I think, I think we all, the, the three of us here and, and the people that listen to the podcast, uh, I would hope that we see that we need one or two older heads within that force, team, force eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, just, to, and even the older heads that are there at the moment, the likes of Seamus, you know, he, 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 I'm sure he's very influential in the in the dressing room. Uh, that's another reason why I hope we keep Baines. Um, just you couldn't see it like. A lot of criticism for Sigerson, obviously, the way he's playing lately. But over the past uh, number of games, I don't know whether you've noticed, he keeps uh, pointing to people and pointing uh, where people should pass it. And they're kind of thinking, well, kind of do what you're, you're maybe, asking maybe, others to do. Maybe he's pointing, to, that's where I should be. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. You know. um, that, was, that was another criticism I had of, of Ram when he was there. He'd be telling players, come on, come on, put the ball, put the ball there, put the ball there. But when players put the ball there, oh, okay, more often than not, he, he'd be there and he'd score a goal. But just get into position so you don't have to. If you're in the position, players will find you. 
don't tell them, you know, I'm going to be here in 10 seconds. Or, you know I mean? Maybe that's, I'm not a footballer, so what would I know? Nope, Joe. But yeah. yeah. Question for you, Joe, just before uh, we go off this topic. Uh, uh, Southampton allegedly are, are interested in a, a player or two from Everton, right? And one is meant to be a midfielder. So who, was, who would you send along if, if you had your, your, uh, your <coughs> genie's lamp there now? I don't think anybody has to even ask me. <laughs> I, I said yesterday when I seen so, Southampton, Everton offered 14 million and Alex Iwobi. And Southampton said, oh, it's all right, we just take the 14 million. <laughs> oh, listen, I think, oh, listen, I know I'm overly critical, but if we can get rid of some players uh, as part of deals to bring in other players, if that would help push the deals through, so be it. I mean, Listen, we all know there's four or five players that we can we can get rid of. If if it helps the deal go through, just just do it. Just just get it. Uh, I think that's the way this summer market, not just for Everton, but all the clubs, Joe, uh, hmm. be it in England or across Europe, whatever, you'll find a lot of uh, kind of part transfers with players because yeah. of the financial uh, situation, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, then. Predictions then for Monday night against Sheffield United. Rich, go to you first. Um, I think it'll be a struggle. Sheffield United are flying, but I don't ever want to say we'll get beaten or anything. So I go one-one. Okay, just say it, Rich. If you think it's no, I think we might drag something out of it. We get a one-one. Okay, <laughs> Mister Rainbow. <laughs> I, I, I've come to the conclusion I've been a bit of a Jonah for the last games because every time we say we are going to win, we we play badly and scrape a draw. So uh, I'm going to go. Uh, purely on the basis that if I give a Southampton win, Everton will actually win. <clears throat> so I'm going to go for uh, uh, Sheffield United 2, Everton 0. I think that's actually going to be spot on because <clears throat> like, they're flying. They really are. They're, they're, I know they lost the other day, but um, I just think that they're a much better team than us on paper. They really, really are. They're just... They're, even Dave McGoldrick is scoring. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just I just can't see us getting anything out of this game except the hiding. So I go for Sheffield United to win. I hope it's not too, hope it's not too too heavy. I, I got one there just to be different to you, Colly. But again, I just can't see us getting that over. With with looking at the players' the last three or four games, it's just stinking the place out. So anyway, again, I hope I'm wrong. That we're, we're talking here next week about a lovely Everton win, but I, but I just, think that just shows how bad we're being when you know when we're not even backing ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Yeah, okay. Anyway, listen, talk to you next week, boys, and like hopefully it's a it's a uh, another win. So uh, after the break, we're going to have this second part of Everton and me, uh, where we'll be talking to Helga from Norway about his love of Everton. See you next week, boys. Take it easy. Cheers, boys. Talk to you later. Take care. This is Kevin Campbell, and you're listening to Chewing the Cud with the Irish Toffees. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, folks. And now we're going to the second part of our new series, Everton and Me, where I chatted people from around the globe about how they became an Evertonian and how they fell in love with our great club. And today... I'm delighted to be joined by the chairman of the Norwegian Supporters Club, Helga Vermitsen Grunevag. Good afternoon, Helga. 
Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? I'm fine, Pat. I just hope I pronounced your name okay. <laughs> that is actually quite good. <laughs> yeah. uh, how are you today, Pat? I'm all good. Um, just finished off work and uh, for some funny reason, the sun is out today in Norway, so it's, uh, it's not happening too often, but uh, we have to enjoy it as long as we can. Yeah, nice. How, how have you been getting on through lockdown? Uh, to be honest with you, um, we haven't, me personally, I haven't, uh, haven't taken too much notice of it because I've been luckily to, to for the most of the time, I've, I've been able to go to work and uh, stuff like that. So uh, the only thing we, we ever, uh, or the only time I ever, I ever noticed anything about it was, was when you go to the shops and stuff like that. Mm. So uh, things have been actually quite normal for me, but uh, I know for a lot of other people, they have... Uh, working out of home and stuff like that so uh i've had a few few days every now and then working from home but uh mostly i've been in the office every day yeah yeah keep busy keep busy yeah okay Pat, so we'll go into uh tell us a little bit about yourself first well um i am what you now can call a middle-aged man It's horrible to say, to be honest. Uh, no, it's um, I'm uh, 41 years old, living out of Haugesund, um, Norway. Haugesund is not the biggest city in Norway, but it's the absolutely the most beautiful one. Mm. Of course, uh, located on the west coast, just between Stavanger and Bergen. Uh, just moved to a new apartment. Sold uh, sold my house and and bought an apartment. So I'm just nice. just moved in a couple of weeks ago. Very so, good, very uh, fresh. Yeah. Yeah, very fresh, very new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the main part of the interview today is uh, asking you how you became an Evertonian. So how did you fall in love with Everton? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been asked the question before and it's, um, for me, it, it's actually, um, it's, uh, it's a bit of a coincidence, to be honest. Um, I had an uncle, um, and back in the eighties, he used to he, he works for a or worked for a local company here in uh, in Hogesund, uh, Norway. And um, what he did is is he he bought and sold steel, okay. like a steel trader. Hmm. And they went to Liverpool uh, to uh, sign a, a, a big contract. And in the evening, they were out celebrating this contract with the uh, with the company they signed with. And uh, he was given an Everton shirt. Nice. Um, back then, uh, when he came home, I was the only one who could ever pick it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it stuck with me. And uh, when I um, also discovered that my father was a Liverpool fan, it was even more intriguing to be an Everton fan. Mm-hmm. Did you have an interest in football before that? Yeah, I did. I played football from the, from I was five years old, mm. and football was the big thing. Uh, one of the boys in, went in the same class as me. His father was uh, was coach for um, the local uh, team here, and they played in, back then. They played actually in the in the top division in Norway, oh, and he also had had national caps as well. So, and he played for um, for wow. bigger teams in Norway like Viking and stuff like that. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I caught the, the the football thing quite early. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of dislagging goes on. Norway's full of ever of Liverpool fans, so it must be hard being an Evertonian in Norway, is it? 
Uh, yes, it is. Uh, and they are as horrible here as they are over there. If <laughs> <laughs> anybody wondered. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would actually go that far and say they're even worse over here because, yeah. It's, uh, no, it, it's, it's, um, you see them everywhere and they have a, with all the respect, they have a, a supporters club, which is absolutely massive. I think they've passed 52,000 members now. Wow. Which is impressive, of course it is, but uh, they can yeah. still fuck off back to Norway, yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if you're allowed to say that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not here to talk about them. Anyway, so, uh, so no. like I mentioned, you're the chairman of the uh, Norwegian Sports Club. Tell us a little bit about the club. Yeah, well, uh, I think we've been going on now for... Is it 33, 34 years or something like that? Wow, very good, yeah. We, we found it back in 86. Um, by a man who, who already have, have had been going over to watch a lot of games um, beforehand, and he he set up the supporters club back in '86. He's still a member uh, at our supporters club. He's an honorary honorary what's it, sorry honorary member, mm. <laughs> uh, of course. And um, uh, he set it up, uh, and uh, I became the chairman like 12, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, we, we have a, a, a goal of, of growing a little bit every year, and uh, we, we, we manage to do that. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of Amatorians in, in Norway uh, because the, the, the interest for English football is so massive mm. over here. Uh, the games have been on the, on the telly since the early 60s, so, so there's always been a massive interest for um, English football in Norway. So there's a lot of Amatorians, but not a lot of them are, are members of the supporters club. Mm. So we're still out there. You know, preaching, if you might, yeah, yeah, spreading uh, the uh, spreading, <laughs> spreading the word and and, and uh, making people aware of us. Actually, mm. that's a that's a great uh, part of our job. Yeah. How many members would you have at the moment? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I would guess between six hundred and six hundred and fifty. Oh wow, that's quite sizable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you do you get off the gunners so much? Uh, we try as often as we can. Uh, I mean, Norway is a, is a very long country, so uh, it, it's difficult depending on where you live in Norway. Mm. Uh, we have people living all the way up in the north. They have to travel for almost two days to get to Gudersen. Uh, for me, living down south, I can go from Stavanger with, with a plane uh, mm. or landing directly in Manchester. So it takes only me from from my apartment to I'm in Manchester. It, it takes me like four and a half hours if mm. the, there's no delays and stuff like that. So, so we, we try and encourage people to do so. We have the yearly trips uh, as we've had uh, for many, many years now and uh, they seem to get more popular every year. Yeah. Do, with the, the, like I said, Norway is a long country. Would that hamper like meetups for meeting the Pope's watch matches or do you do it now we, we, we do uh, have like small groups in, in the larger cities. Um, mm. uh, so they have their own Facebook groups uh, where they, where they uh, you know, uh, discuss where they're going to meet, watch the games, stuff like that. So, so we, we try to help them as much as we can. Uh, if, there's a, if there's a city which don't have a group, we just set a group, group up for them. Uh, we can even make contact with some pubs and ask them, can we can the lads come and see the game at yours? Stuff like that. Yeah. Is there many Evertonians around where you live? We have a group uh, in my hometown and it's uh, 62 members. So, yeah, that's quite okay. a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you meet yeah. up with them regularly to watch games or just... Yeah, oh. uh, before the lockdown, we, we, we do. Uh, we try to watch as many games as possible. Um, but there's a problem in my town because it's not that big. So, there's only like two football pubs 
so, uh, but now in my new apartment, uh, around 70 meters from my doorstep, there's a new pub opening. Um, nice. And we made in contact with them and that's going to be our new place. So, uh, oh, yes, and yes. then we will, will, will be prioritized yeah, for the games there. So it will yeah. be good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Right on the doorstep. Happy days. Not, yeah, it's happy days. Not far to fall home. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't even need a taxi. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, your chairman for 13 years. Uh, is there anybody else who helps out? Like, I know I've met, I've met Bjorn a couple of times and a couple of other guys. Could you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, we have uh, Bjorn, which is the, uh, what's it called? Second in command, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you like. Um, we have John Andre, which is um, uh, is a board member, and we have Chris, and we have Vida, which we are the board for the Norwegian Supporters Club, and uh, we try to help each other out, out as much as we can. Yeah. Um, most of the job is is on Chris, uh, having the member and the, the you know the register for the members, stuff like that, and uh, yeah, this this. Uh, we most of us has, has done this uh, so many years now that we 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 know what to do. Yeah. Um, but if we if we bump into any difficulties, we we, we have a Facebook message message um, group and uh, yeah. we post on there if we need any help. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if you had the shoot magazine back in the day in Norway. How did you get shoot over there? Yes, we did. Uh, a couple of weeks after you, uh, we could go, go over here and, and get it in the news agents. Um, we had shoot, uh, we had, I think it was called big shoot. Okay. Uh, and we had match. Match, yeah, that was another good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Big shoot was, that was always my favorite because they had the best posters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ripped them out and put them up on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, back in the day, as part of the shoot magazine, they did a feature called Focus On which they asked a different player each week, different questions, birth, place, name, suits. So I've whittled it down to some uh, questions. So if you're okay with this, we'll go ahead. You can be as long or short with your answers as you want, pal. Yeah. So first question, favourite player? Favourite player? Oh, it's difficult every time. Um, I have a few, actually. Um, okay. My first favorite player was Neville Southall because oh. I was in goal when I played myself. So, mm. so he was an obvious choice there. Um, then Duncan Ferguson is is, is obviously up there, mm. um, and Tim Cale is up there as well. And uh, the, the fourth one is actually Stephen Naismith. Naismith, yeah, yeah. I always liked him. Uh, well, the and what he stood for, and uh, yeah, the Scottish Majesty. The way he understood the club. Was mm. was so brilliant. We, we desperately need that now. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Uh, favorite other team, if you have one. Uh, I do, um, and it's uh, also a funny story. But uh, I do follow, uh, for some reason, um, Ross County in Scotland. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> tell us. Tell us. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, ten years ago, I, I worked in um, in a. In a gas plant all the way up in northern Norway in, in called Hammerfest, mm. and we had a lot of Scottish guys uh, working there. And one of the foremen were uh, Scottish, and his local team was Ross County. So I kind of learned about it then. He brought me a shirt. I just started to see how they're doing and stuff like that. So mm. Very good. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just how it is. And how, I've also how, had a, had a soft spot. So sorry. How are they doing? 
not sure now at the moment because I haven't been following too much uh, lately. Yeah. But uh, but I always pop in every now and then. Mm. Uh, and I've also, uh, for some reason, always had a soft spot for. Uh, this might be controversial. This one, but uh, Millwall has also been a club which I'm always kind of have a soft spot for because it's, it's basically because of the slogan, you know, nobody likes us but we don't care thing. Yeah. Um, it's just something about that which 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 uh, hits me. Hence, nobody likes them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Most memorable match. Most memorable match would uh, definitely be my first game at Goodison. Okay, and what was that? Um, it wasn't that long ago, to be honest with you. Because uh, um, uh, up till until the around two thousand and four, after two thousand and four, it, it became a hell of a lot easier to travel over to watch games. Mm. So, my first game, I think, was in two thousand and seven. Um, yeah, yeah, seven or eight. Um, against Arsenal, the game where Andy Johnson scored a winner in overtime. Oh, that was one of uh, really bad snow yeah. that day, wasn't it? Hey, it was uh, terrible yeah. weather, yeah, absolute yeah. terrible. Mm. And it was—I remember it, it was howling, uh, and the whole pitch was—it was—it was just—it looked like it was grey. Mm. Uh, and he scored uh, the winner in 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 that weather. Uh, and it, with a build-up, um, I was in the lower Gladys back then. Uh, it had been a build-up in a couple of corners before uh, the last one we scored on. Uh, and there was building up some tension between, I think it was James Vaughan and uh, Jens Lehmann, the Arsenal okay, goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, I think I remember that also Anachibi got involved and was like <laughs> some pushing and stuff like that. Mm. And we were actually so close to the goal, we could, we could hear what, what, what words which were said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got um, another corner kick. And uh, the speaker, I remember the speaker saying, well, it's going to be two minutes at a time. Two minutes. Mm. And I thought to myself, Jesus, it took me like 20 years to get over here now. And, and a <laughs> nil-nil draw. The life of an Evertonian is, is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the ball came in, was headed out. Uh, Andy Johnson on like eight meters on a volley between Jens Lehmann's legs and it just, the place just exploded mm. and I woke up two minutes afterwards and I was about 40 meters from my seat uh, <laughs> I had a guy he was probably like 300 pounds on my back and it was mayhem it was unbelievable <laughs> is that why you so remember it <laughs> yeah I did and, uh, and afterwards I remember as well because there were so many impressions that day Mm. Uh, when you first come to Goodison after following the team on TV for so many years and you, you're coming over there and so many impressions that I, I just sat down and I was the last the last man in the stands to be yeah. honest yeah. one of the stewards came over to me and he said well uh, I'm sorry sir but you have to go now I said yeah yeah sorry sorry I said just too many impressions to take in and he said where are you from I said I'm, I'm from Norway my first game uh, watched them put on TV for 20 years Hmm. Or so, so uh, he said, "Wow!" I, and I remember um, Gary Naismith was, was was doing some running on the pitch, and the steward knew him, and he, he called him over, and I actually had a small chat with, with Gary Naismith afterwards. Very nice, fantastic, uh, which made the whole experience even yeah more yeah. astronomical for me. Yeah. But then I, I popped back into the Winslow and met uh, John, uh, which is a good friend of mine. He's um, I worked with him in Norway, and uh, he sorted basically out everything for me for my first trip. Excellent. 
and uh, met John and his family. And uh, I remember that was the old Winslow when it was still open upstairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they didn't have a TV on the wall. They only had that, like the the uh, what's it called, the projector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they showed the goal for, from the Liverpool game first. And I remember people throwing beer cans and pints and everything <laughs> in the wall. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I, I, I saw the roof go like this. They started jumping upstairs because there was a, like a second delay, but they started to show the Everton game upstairs. And then they came on like a second after downstairs. Mm, mm. And then everybody went bananas again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now it was just fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic stuff. Great memories, great memories. Yeah. Okay, your, your biggest thrill. Biggest thrill? Is that in football or in life? Uh, in life, it can be anything. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, becoming a father. Mm. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah. It just doesn't get better than that, pal. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay, biggest disappointment? Oh, there's been a few. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, biggest disappointment that's a tough one um, you know what um, the biggest disappointment I have is, is actually on this day I think it's three, three years ago it was one of my biggest disappointments um, where Everton were ready for qualifying round of the Europa League mm. and uh, we were going to meet the winners of uh, a Norwegian team called uh, Brann, which we have met in Bergen yeah, before, yeah, yeah. and some other crap team from somewhere in Europe. <laughs> and I think even Brann had a lead from the first game. I remember in calling my friends in Bergen, we already booked the biggest pubs in, in the town, ready for <laughs> people to come over. And then they blew it up big time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I even remember we, we I was on the holidays in, a, in a, on the south coast in a city called Kristiansand, mm. and me and Chris and some of the lads down there we, we went to the pub had a few yes go there get in we're gonna see this mm. we're gonna have a massive party in Bergen blah 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 and they just uh, so that was yeah. that, that was that, that was a massive disappointment yeah yeah uh, nothing worse all them plans out the window <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, okay, uh, best country visited? Um, tough one again. Uh, I think I have to say Cyprus. Oh, very good. I've never been. Nice. The uh, place was beautiful. Uh, the food was excellent. And they have a good beer called Keo. Okay. Keo. have to have Keo. a look at that. I might get that yeah. a little. Or Aldi. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'll have a look at <laughs> Okay, and... It might be the same answer. Favorite food? Favorite food? Um, you know, I, I love a good steak. Yes, simple as that. You just can't go wrong with steak. Once no, it's cooked, once it's cooked properly, that's that's the main thing. Yeah, uh, it is. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Oh, I watch a lot of terrible shows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Um, favorite TV show? Um, uh, I can be boring and say friends. That's that's what you got. You can say whatever you want. Once you don't say, uh, but I, I also I also watch a lot of a lot of the History Channel shows. Mm. Um, you know, like the documentaries and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, that's also something I, I 
I'm watching a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are binging on Netflix during the lockdown as well. So we've watched yeah, everything same, on Netflix. Same with me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same with me. We watched the, the old Tiger King and stuff like that. So yeah, I haven't watched that yet. So, but I'll give that a go later. Um, oh, you have to, mate. Yeah, favorite singer? Uh, Freddie Mercury. Oh, the King. We were only talking about yeah. the other day. It was uh, the 35th anniversary of Live Aid. Yeah. And ah, oh, they just stole the absolute show that they, especially Freddie. He's just, yeah, just I've got it on. Uh, I've got the whole DVD box. Um, people in Norway who knows me, they they know know me as probably Norway's biggest Queen fan as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, what a what a man. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite actor. Favorite actor. Mm. There's a few there as well. Um, In my younger days, I was always uh, I always liked uh, Bruce Willis his, his movies. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as the years go on, you 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 kind of develop your taste in movies as well. Mm. But uh, if I have to pick one, that's a tough one. That and I can't even remember his name. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Bruce Willis. Okay, no problem. If you remember, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. If it pops into your head, just yeah. shout it out. Uh, biggest yeah. influence? Biggest influence? Um, again, uh, my daughter okay. uh, is uh, having a massive influence on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, um, there's, there's different people you 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 know you follow in life. Mm. Um, I had an aunt which died uh, 20 years ago from uh, from cancer, but she was also a massive influence in my life. Yeah, very good. How old is your daughter, by the way? She turns 11 now. The 23rd. Oh, 11. Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, personal ambition. Personal ambition. Um, that will have to be uh, to be as good uh, as a father as I can be. Um, watch as many Everton games as I possibly can. Yeah. In that particular order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, best friend? Best friend. Um, again, my daughter. And uh, I have to mention my best mate, Kenneth. Okay. Kenneth. Have you known Kenneth long? Yes. Uh, since since uh, we started school, actually. Nice. Yeah, yeah, very good. So it's a few years. Yeah, a few moons. He's a, he's a, he's a Tottenham fan, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, for this we can't slang anybody at the moment. It's just it's, no. I can't banter with anybody. We're absolutely muck. Uh, if it could be any footballer, who would it be? Uh, past or present? Uh, any, any. It doesn't matter. Uh, Duncan Ferguson. Oh. Big dunk. He pops up a lot of these these answers. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> okay, and finally, which person in the world would you most like to meet? Uh, Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that would be an interesting mind to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To have a look in. Might might be a drink or two taken. Yes, there might be, <laughs> and there might be some dodgy parties as well. But uh, definitely <laughs> yeah. would be worth it to meet him. <laughs> 
exactly. Listen, Helga, thank you so much for today. I really, really enjoyed it, pal. And hopefully when all this settles down, we'll meet up in the Winslow and we'll have a point or two. So look yeah, after yourself, buddy, and we'll talk soon. Talk soon, yeah. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're interested in joining the Irish Toffee Supporters Club, just send an email to memberships at irish-toffees.com or visit our website www.irish-toffees.com. Up the toffees.